Google lost some pages. <laughs> so yeah, they, they lost you, them. But how do you lose pages? <laughs> well, they're gone. They just um, <laughs> they had them in their back pocket and just just lost them. That whole thing when you when you sent it to me, I was like, I what? <laughs> how can you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess. So was it their bug or was it something else? It was a, it was or a Google was it? bug. I mean, the first actual bug. So what 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 happened was, uh, Google de-indexed some pages uh and from what i was reading is about four percent of all pages that they had indexed on the inter interwebs so we're talking a very small amount but it was a pretty big amount four percent of what google 4%. has indexed is, yeah, is huge lot. so basically i mean you could have lost one page out of your index that google had or you could have lost 50 pages or 100 pages or, or whatever and you could have lost some ranking um it happened over the weekend this was a while ago it was like the early april um it's been fixed now but it's still just interesting that google had a had a flub <laughs> yeah that's really interesting so and so they fixed it mm-hmm. did they um were they able to restore the pages back that's to what, the that's original? what it seems there's still some even today there's still some people that are saying like not all of my pages are indexed again um but i mean i you know that's could just be complaints or you know I don't know. So it might be a good, um, we talked about this, what was the last episode? No, the episode before, the uh, uh, webmaster tool to go in and request your page to be indexed. Right, So that right. might be a good, would, yeah, that, it's a perfect would that help people? Well, yeah, that's the thing is like, um, e- even though you submit your URL to webmaster tools, that doesn't guarantee Google's going to take action and crawl it and re-index it. I see. It's it's 90% of the time, 95% of the time, yeah, that'll work. So but you're just kind of at the mercy of Google. You are. <laughs> All the time, every day. <laughs> and that's the Welcome thing. to I our mean, world. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. If one change happens and, and you know, it just completely messes everything up. So. That's so crazy. I mean, luckily with any of our sites, we didn't see any, any of that um, lost any. Um, indexing or anything so yeah i think the biggest thing i mean the no indexing would be scary but like the biggest thing would be ranking I mean, right if you ranked you know on the first page or something like that yeah and then, you, all, of a sudden, and then all of a sudden gone. you're gone that yeah. would be and that's the thing it's like you're putting all your eggs in in baskets and that's that's not what you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and it's hard because you have to put a lot of eggs in the Google's ranking algorithm basket, right? And, you know, SEO is one of those things that's always um, always changing, always evolving. And some update happens and all of a sudden some of your eggs broke in that basket. Yeah. And they're leaking. And, you know, you got you to gotta fix it. You've got so. egg everywhere and it's, it's just a mess. Yeah. It's a, just a big not mess. A, not an omelet kind of kind of <laughs> deal there. Oh, man. Hey, guys. Um, this is Paul Hennick. I'm Digital Marketing Director for... For Intercoastal Net Designs. And David Thompson, the Director of Social Media. And we hope you guys are having a fantastic day and have been listening to our podcast up to this point because um, we've got a lot of good info on these things. Yeah. We put forth the efforts. So, we definitely uh, do. We yeah. definitely do. So we, we do appreciate the listeners out there that um, have have been listening for a while. And any anybody new, go back and listen to our old stuff too. It's got a whole bunch of, whole bunch of good stuff in there. So... Um, we always start off with rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. So we go back and forth and ask each other questions that the other did not know about. So I'll let uh, I'll let you go first, David. Okay. Um my question for you is how can a non-techie person do a site audit? 
And I maybe maybe even explain what they would be searching for with a site audit. But right. I know people want to know, like, I want to know about my site, like, speed and, like... Yeah, I get, know, I get a lot of keywords, questions like that. Stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many... Because site audit is a very vague um, term. Like, are you auditing your site for SEO? Are you auditing your site for speed? Are you auditing your site for usability? Are you auditing your site for um, internal link structure? Are you auditing? Okay, I'm gonna keep going. There's I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So basically, uh, whenever you audit your site, you you want to look at a few different things. You want to look at usability. You want to look at mobile friendliness. Um, and you want to look and look at speed. Those are the top three things that I always um tell people to look for. Um, you know, don't don't worry about the the SEO part of an of an audit because that is a whole different world. If you're a non techie person, then that stuff's just gonna you're gonna run an audit and it's gonna say you have thousands of errors on your site and you're gonna be scared and think you're um, not in the good graces of Google anymore. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's that's not the case. I mean, there's plenty of sites that have bad quote unquote audits audit scores that still rank number one for some pretty big keywords. So. Um, but really, uh, one of the th one of the things that I always tell people to, to use is um, the Chrome Lighthouse audit, um, and it, it's a bit techy too. Uh, <laughs> it is a kind of a, uh, it does go into page speed and tell you about page timings and stuff like that. But it'll give you a good gauge on uh, what needs to be fixed. But what's cool about it is that it'll run it through it'll run your site through desktop and mobile experiences and it'll tell you if your buttons are too small or if your text needs to change um it even looks at things that might help with um ADA compliance so you know whenever uh I get that question it's I I usually have have the like Google some um, lighthouse audit in the back of my mind so all you have to do is open up Chrome um hit F12 on your keyboard when you're on your website and then there's an audit button on there that you can hit and do an audit. Interesting. So it's more geared towards user experience. Right, right. It does yeah, exactly. Exactly. I um, mean it does have an SEO quote unquote score uh on there too. So it'll tell you, you know, if your site is um, you know, has some good SEO elements that it needs on there. Um so it's also something to look at. But but yeah, it's a mainly user experience kind of tool. Interesting. Yeah. That's that would be a good tool. I mean, especially now, people should be concerned with uh, user experience, and I think that'll tie in kind of with our main topic today. Is, right, you know, right, just exactly. knowing about your site. Yeah. So, and that's a, that's what everybody misses is you didn't you didn't hear me say look on your website <laughs> yourself. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the main thing is what people miss is, and we we when we're at work all the time, we're on our we're on our desktops, we're. Um, you know, doing our nine to five, looking at our website, searching through our properties and trying to figure out stuff. We're not on our phones doing that stuff, you know, so and that's what half of your traffic is doing is on your phone. So that's yeah. the main topic. We're yeah. going to get we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to that here in a second. So I think you have a, a question for me now. I do. I do. Okay. Uh, how Shoot. much money should I spend? Uh, should a, well, how much money should a client spend on Facebook ads? That is such, <laughs> and I get this all the time, that is yeah. such a big question, but I love it. Um, it really, and I'm going to say this, and this is a cliche answer, but it really depends. Yeah. Um, it depends on what, first of all, your audience. I mean, that's the first, that's the starting point for any social ads is your audience. Who is your audience? Who are you trying to target? Um, what do you mean by audience? Do you mean the people that are currently your fans or your audience as a demographic profile? 
audience has a demographic profile, but you can also run ads. Um, so it depends on that too, right? <laughs> so you can run ads based off your fan base and run ran a campaign to them and people that look like them on Facebook mm -hmm. from a demographic psychographic standpoint. But he's doing air quotes, just so you know. <laughs> air quotes. I've got my yeah. Um, you can also do ads based off a new audience. Um, where you're targeting people that aren't your fan base, you're actually excluding those people. Mm -hmm. um, so it depends on that. It depends on what what type of ad that you're running. So whether it's a traffic ad, um, where you're getting people to your website, or an engagement ad, um, or a conversion ad, which your cost per click is going to be a little bit higher on those. Um, a good starting point, so everyone knows, is the rule of thumb is five dollars a day. So if you're wanting to run a campaign long-term, which to me I consider a long-term campaign anywhere from one to three months, right? So where you can actually see some real stats from mm -hmm. that. Um, $5 a day comes down to about $150 a month. That's a good starting point. If you're nervous about getting into Facebook advertising and Instagram advertising, $5 a day is a good starting point for you to see, okay, Am I getting anything out of this or am I not? Right, right. If you are, maybe you look at increasing your budget. So let's say you're running some, you know, conversion uh, campaigns towards a remarketing audience based off a of pixel. Right. And your cost per click is really low because it's a remarketing audience. You know, it's a, a warm audience um, and you actually made some ROI from that. That you know, if you're starting to see that, then maybe increase your budget a little bit. I mean, it's it's definitely worth it because it's going to reach a larger audience. Um, yeah, and that's ultimately what what it comes down to, right? Is like is is your budget. So if you if you have the budget to experiment, then you need to experiment. You know, yes. don't just stick with that 150 and think, oh, it didn't work. Let's let's can Facebook forever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So that would be. A good starting point, and remember, Facebook is very scalable. So it's very black and white. They've got um, a little sidebar in your ads manager that says, if you spend this much money and you can put right. it in, they're going to show you how many people you're going to reach, how many impressions you're going to make. On average, it's not an exact amount, but mm -hmm. how many impressions, how many clicks you're going to get, that sort of stuff. So look at that. It's going to tell you if your audience is too specific, if it's too broad. Normally, I like to stay a little bit more on the specific side because yeah. I keep my audiences pretty narrow. Um, but yeah, you know, start out with it, and like Paul said, do some A/B testing. That's that's crucial for stuff. As a uh, as a follow up question to that, I mean, you you had mentioned um, uh, doing different types of ads as far as remarketing, and then uh, aside from remarketing, there's uh, there's uh, ads that you can run to get people to be fans on your page. Yes, so. You know, and then you have the whole other type of campaign that you can do that targets people that aren't your fans and haven't been to your website and are just a general audience out there. Yeah. Um, can you can you rank those as where they should start? Like for me, I would say start with remarketing because it's going to be the easiest. Um, but what do you what do you think? Um, so I always it really comes down to when I meet with a client for the first time or when we're doing any sort of follow up. Um, I ask them, what's your goal? Because uh, people have certain goals in mind of like, well, I want to build my fan base or mm -hmm. I want to see some ROI from this or I'm trying to get a new audience. Or if I don't feel like my audience right now is engaging. All those different answers will correlate with a different type of ad. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if you're wanting to build an audience, running a like campaign or a fan campaign is 
is where I would start. Um, I agree with you. Starting with like a remarketing campaign is definitely a good idea because you are, it's easy to set up. You know, if you've mm-hmm. got the pixel, it takes about probably about a week for that to start firing and actually build an audience base mm-hmm. um, till you can start to see some data from it. And then once you have that, you can start remarketing to those people very low cost per click. Uh, the next thing that I would suggest would be doing like a traffic a traffic campaign to get new people to your website and exclude right. the people that are on your Facebook page, exclude the people that are on any sort of um, you know list that you already have existing where you're targeting. Get a new audience, um, new people to the website because once they hit the website, and those are two good campaigns to run in conjunction with each other. Mm-hmm. Once they hit the website and they're starting to get on there and they browse, now you've got a remarketing campaign that is going back to those people and you're you're in front of them all the time. Right. Right. So it's very it's kind of a handy, you know, two campaign sort of combo type thing. Yeah. And you can do that with um, you know, with the pay per click in conjunction with that too, with Google ads. So it's it's yeah. So many different ways that you can stay in front of them these oh, yeah. days. Yeah. Absolutely. So all right. that's a great question. Good stuff. Good <laughs> yeah. stuff. All right. Tool of the day. Next topic. Um, so this this one's kind of funny. It's like uh, uh, Dave and I were talking about it before. Uh, some clients or even people that we show this to think it's um, ooh black magic voodoo or something like that. But <laughs> this it's, is one it's of so our, simple. This is one of our voodoo tricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's so simple. Um, go to Google. Go 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 to Google. dot com <laughs> and um, type in the word site colon and then put your website after the end of that dot com or .net or whatever it is. So no spaces, nothing in between, just site, colon, and then put your website in. That's going to show you every single page that Google has indexed on your website, uh, more or less. There's some there's some gray area to that, but um, it's going to show you a lot of uh, a lot of the URLs that are, that Google has. So what, what why do I want to do this? Well, one, it'll show you all the title tags, all the meta descriptions, um, and it'll show you duplicate pages, pages that look very similar. Uh, you can just go through that, go scroll through. I like to always just jump to the page 20 or page 25 or something like that yeah. and look and see what, because um, you, you probably have uh, duplicate uh, event calendars or duplicate blog posts or um, duplicate tags or a whole bunch of like pages that are all exactly the same. And you you don't want that, you know. You want that each each page to be unique on your website. So that tool will tell you and show you what um, what Google has indexed. Something else cool though is that if you say like, you got really quiet there for a second. Yeah, really cool. cool. <laughs> but let's say um you you wrote a blog post um five years ago. You remember you wrote one about um this this event that happened and hey it's coming back to the area because it's cool and whatever um. But you don't know where it is. You know, you gotta you gotta find it again, and you wanna you wanna rehash it. So if you do this site colon yourwebsite dot com, and then you put a word after that, so let's say um you know flower time event is what it, is what it was called. So if you put that after it, it'll search your site and only your site for those keywords, and it'll find that blog post. Interesting. So. That is a really handy tool. I actually use that more from a social standpoint. So when I want to get um, photography from the site itself, 
interesting um, right. stuff from like blog posts i can keep consistent with branding and stuff for that specific website mm-hmm. i'll do that and then i'll go to images and that will pull up all of the images from that website right right and so i can actually go and pull photography down mm-hmm. and maybe even talk about things that have happened yeah and i've done that too actually now that i think about with um let's say you want to you want a good balcony photo yeah. If you just search for balcony on and go to the Google image search using that domain site going domain thing, then you can find all your balcony photos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a really handy tool. So it, and it's very fast and like Paul was saying, it gives you a good snapshot of kind of like what's being displayed on Google too. All right. Um. So yeah, there's our tool of the day. Dun dun dun. All right. Next topic. Next topic. Um. So we we harped on this a little bit before about uh, usability, about making and doing your own audit and stuff like that. Um. So we wanted to focus really today on how do you audit your website with a mobile device, and what we mean by that is, like I said, get out your mobile device. <laughs> That's all you got to do. It, really. I mean. It's pretty much it. We've got a little step-by-step guide for you um, that we can uh, we can put on the show notes, but it, it's really pretty simple, and we're going to walk you through it right now. The first thing would be, do you have a search bar that's easy to find? Right, that would right, be the, right at the, the top. Yeah, exactly, because that's like, uh, what do we call it? It's got to be above the fold. Above basically. the fold, right. Um, it's an that, old newspaper term, just so you know. I when didn't, newspapers fold. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, they fold. Huh. Like halfway down, so everything above the fold is what it gets displayed in that news rack. Huh. So if okay. it's above the fold, then it's it's what's being shown. Now it's it's the first scroll depth. So you know above the fold in web web terms is the first when when you, before you start scrolling down. Okay, <laughs> good to know. I like above the fold. That's got some history to it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, another thing would be: is it easy to fat finger page elements? Buttons, things like that, dates. Um, oh, the good old fat finger, yeah. Because <laughs> we talked about that earlier, like especially with the uh, the site audit, mm-hmm. it will tell you, you know, if you've got smaller buttons, but do it yourself. Right. Everyone's different, so that yeah. would be another. thing Everybody's to look fingers out for. different. Even you know the 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 phone screens are are different sizes. You know. Yeah, yeah. Another thing would be to uh, see how easy it is to look through properties quickly, and that's something that drives me insane if i do mm. a search and i've got to go through like it's just not easy to look through properties i've got to go through them one by one or it doesn't display what i'm what i'm looking for it's right. that can be really frustrating as a consumer right exactly exactly that would probably lead me on to the next thing would be uh do your property pages display all the relevant relevant info easily so oh yeah especially on mobile because i mean that that's um uh, and, and, and that's hard too because you have a lot of information on those property pages. Yeah, yeah. There's I mean, a lot of pets, how many bedrooms, how many how many people it sleeps. Yeah, and amenities. your big long body of text that you got. You know. Yeah, yeah. So like, what do you put at the top? What do you not? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you display that information? So um, that's a good one to get like a group of people and to see like what information they would be. Right. looking for right you exactly. know and note that yeah because everybody's like everybody's going to be looking for a different amenity or, or something like that or you know a lot of a lot of people want to know where the bathroom's located next to the um the bedrooms yep you know which which kids are going to be in which bedroom and how are we going to shuffle around the family and stuff like that especially if you you know you got three bedroom pluses um that you're renting out so 
and yeah. ha- houses too. I mean, everybody wants to know where they're going to sleep and how Uncle Joe is going <laughs> to <laughs> is is not going to be up in the middle of the night or or whatever. Yeah. Uh, here's a big one: um, price. And I know for me as a consumer, and this may sound weird, but I like to see price at the very beginning. Yeah. Well, that's the hard part too. Is like when we have some clients that don't want to display the price until the end, and we have clients that want to display it on the search results. Um, most of them yeah. want it on the search results, which is which is good, because um, you know you do want that. Like you said, you want that price up front. Yeah. You so. want to you want to look at it up front, and it's almost too big of a commitment. Basically, if I put in dates and that's kind of how I see it as a consumer, yeah, just searching myself. And this may seem weird to everyone else listening, but it's almost too big of a commitment to say, oh, I'm going to put in dates here and here to actually get a price out of it. Right. Sometimes. Right. I don't know why that is, <laughs> but in my mind, it's like I'm just going through with the booking process, but I'm not there yet. I'm yeah. still browsing. I'm, I'm still in the browsing just, mindset. Yeah. You just want to know how much it's going to cost. Yeah. I just want a ballpark. general <laughs> idea. So, you know, do you split, display that up front or do you not? Right. Um, right. And, you, and that's hard, too, because seasonality. I mean, we're talking about $800 versus $3,000 for a week, depending on which week you stay at. So it, we know it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, another big thing would be, let's say users gone through the booking process, but they've gone to the very end, but they haven't booked. Do you have a card abandonment feature? Mm, You need one. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't have it, you need one. ICND has one and it's really cool. (laughs) There's our shameless Shameless plug. plug. There you go. Yep. For that episode. We got it. We got it. (laughs) But yeah, so, um, we do have a card abandonment feature that is, uh, actually we have a a couple of different, uh, card abandonment types of features but those have worked really well uh for the clients that have implemented them i mean we're talking uh, a, a big return on people coming back and making it making it easy and what's cool is that um you know with card abandonment and some, some of those other tools we do tailor them a lot to the mobile device now we know people don't book on mobile that's that's hotels are a different story Vacation rentals, no. People are not booking on mobile yet. And the reason is is because it's not easy to check out and fill out these these long, 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 long forms um, to check out and put in your credit card info and everything on a mobile device. It's still easier on a desktop. Yeah. So when you have tools to bridge that gap for that user between the mobile and the desktop, then you all you're doing is make it making it easier on them. You're not forcing them to book on mobile. You're just you're making the experience so great on their mobile device that they can just go right back to their computer with a card abandonment feature and and book right then and there. So th- that's one of the main main factors is quit trying to force user behavior by making your site mobile perfect by booking for, force it to be mobile mobile perfect for user experience. Yep. Good points. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, go through go through the site. Have other people go through the site. Don't be afraid to go all the way to the end and, um, you know, to actually look through and approach it with a new set of eyes. Right, right. Yeah, because our, our eyes have seen that our site so many times. We need, we oh, need yeah. fresh ones. Yeah, absolutely. We need fresh ones. And it's, it's cool. Too. It's funny because um, the, the, there are services out there that will go through. You tell them these specific tasks and they'll go through your site and speak out loud while they're navigating and, you know, interject and say, what is this or why is that there? Or, <laughs> you know, so you can get some insights from services like that, too. Yeah. But, um, you know, your, your friends and family will, will give you 
hopefully honest feedback. Um, sometimes not. Sometimes they might just, oh, it looks great, and not really want to hurt your feelings. But tell them to hurt your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way you're going to grow. Yeah, I tell people, tear, tear it apart. Feel free to just tear it apart. <laughs> right. Nitpick exactly. it, you know? Exactly. Because that's the only way you get really good feedback. So yep. Yep. I've got a little bit more social media stuff yeah. if we've got time let's, for it. Let's do it. Um, this is something that Facebook has that they've had for a little while. Yeah. Um, but talking to advertising, I know we were talking about different types of ads and different audiences and like what to do and how much to spend. Um, this is a really good one to target people that are actually wanting to take a trip. Um, and it's called Trip Consideration. So if you type that in with Facebook on Google, you can find out more about it. Um, but Trip Consideration basically only targets people that are planning on going on a trip. So either they've already booked or they have an interest and haven't booked yet with anyone. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Facebook pulls in certain data from other places, but um, basically you can target those people. So you can create your audience um, of like age range, demographic, interests, whether they're interested in the beach or the mountains or, um, you know, if you're narrowing down that, people that have an interest in Airbnb or Hotels.com, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But then you can actually click on or flip on trip consideration and it will only target people within that group that are interested in a trip. Right. So it's a very handy tool if you're looking for a new audience. Yeah, it's really going to narrow down your your audience in a good way <laughs> yeah in a really good way so you're only paying and this is the thing about social advertising that people don't really understand yet is you want to get so narrow because you want to pay for the the person that you know is going to go to your website and book right you know right. The, the whole blanket advertising strategy is just it's long gone we've got so much data where you mm -hmm. don't need to do that anymore. What, what's interesting too, though, and, and I think we need to we do need to point out about trip consideration is that it's not trip consideration to your destination. So you can't say I want to be con I want people that are considering a trip to Ocean Isle Beach. It's they're just they're considering a trip. Yep. And you have to create your demographic profile separately. So you know if they're interested in Ocean Isle Beach, then that's what you use as your um when you're building your audience yeah but you you're, can't you're target, factor right exactly so you can't target people specifically for trips to um the blue ridge mountains or trips to you know kentucky whatever yeah. and basically what facebook does is they based off their the user's account and what they've been doing um they they qualify them and say hey they're they're planning on taking a trip based off all the da data that we've seen historically, right. these people fit into this category and they're going to be taking a trip here soon. Mm -hmm. So, and you may think that that's a little bit crazy, but it's actually not. Yeah. Um, we're very, um, what would you call that? Systematic or we like human beings. Robotic, like, but <laughs> we're very robotic. I mean, as human beings, you know, most people take one trip a year, a big one, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can narrow it down to say, okay, these people are either going to go on a vacation or they're not. Right. So. And, and it's easy to find because, I mean, why would you be Googling a destination you don't live in? Exactly. Or why would you be looking at exactly. these websites that you don't live in? So it's stuff like that. You know, exactly. So they, they're, they're able to figure it out. Yeah. So be but true. <laughs> All right. That wraps it up for us today, guys. Appreciate it. Um, we have a, uh, just want to let you know if you have any questions or anything, just shoot them over to us. Um, we have an email address, podcast at icoastalnet.com. 
Again, that's podcast at iCoastalNet.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you think. And, um, uh, of course, follow us on social media. Social media. Social. Social. Um, that's uh, Facebook at Intercoastal Net Designs and then Twitter at Intercoastal. Until next time, guys. Thanks. See you.